Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and... Uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas will get such a f- shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f- houses for f- 10 years. In the merry month of June, from me home I started, left the girls at June, nearly broken hearted, saluted father dear, kiss me darling mother, drank a pint of beer, me grief and tears to smother, then after eat the corn, leave where I was born, cut to stout black corn to banish ghosts and goblins, a brand new pair of brogues, rattling o'er the bus, frightening all the dogs on the rocky road to double and one, two, three, four, five, whack the hair and turn her down the rocky road, all the way to double and whack Fulani so I'm running out of songs to play at the start of the show, lads. You're at num- song number six at this stage, six in a row for Dublin. Um, quite easy for them in the end. Um, and y- you'd have to say, like, I mean, nobody's laid a glove on them all season. Mayo, I suppose, have been the closest on five points. And they gave it a good rattle um, in the first half, to be fair to them, but followed the same pattern, um, playing better, but conceding goals and being down. So, you know, I don't know how Mayo are going to snap snap out of that. The weird thing is here, Keen, is it's not weird. It's six in a row. It could easily be eight in a row. Like, I remember that game against Donegal and they were destroying Donegal and Connolly could have scored that goal. And I suppose it was tactical naivety that has, you know, maybe saved the championship for, for what would be an eight in a row All-Irelands, which is just beyond belief, really. Yeah, no, it's amazing. I was, I was looking at the, uh, I don't know, it was the Dublin media man handing Cluxton his speech and it was just like, here's one, here's here's last year's speech and I've just crossed out a few <laughs> things and I thought in the middle of it he was going to say, and thanks very much, well done to Jim and the lads. I was like, oh, sorry, I mean Desi, uh, you know, so it's it's one of these, It's it's it, there's an air of inevitability about it. Um, you know, their excellence is kind of beyond question. You know, we talk about all of the brilliant assets that they have, but you're right, like it could easily be, 
eight in a row. I mean, like it's it's amazing. What is it? Is it? It's eight in ten years, something like that. So I mean, like it's it's an amazing achievement for them. And you're right, like the, the Donegal game, fair play to Donegal. They they caught them on the counter attack for a couple of sucker punch goals on the day, that you know, which was a complete shock. So I mean, <laughs> they've been favourites every year, and it's a magnificent achievement from them. And look, the reality is, Dublin are from Dublin County Board level. They're probably looking at it and saying. You know, a bad decade for them going forward is winning five out of ten. So, um, you know, anything above that is sort of, uh, you know, a sense of achievement for them. But anything less than that, and they're, they're all, you know, wondering what's gone wrong. So, once again, yesterday was a bit like that. Mayo, in fairness to them, as they always do, really brought the fight to them, played with a great level of positivity for a large part of the game and, you know, went after Dublin and tried to go man to man you know, when they could and got the pressure on them and, and, you know, challenged Dublin. And, you know, even after the game, you see Kieran Kilkenny, he probably had a, a black eye. And, you know, the, the Dublin guys really had to work. They had to earn that All-Ireland final yesterday. And Mayo have made them earn, you know, every All-Ireland medal that they've won when yeah. they have up against Mayo. And that's, as, you know, that's what you can really say, you know, that's very positive about what Mayo always bring to the table. But once again, Dublin's just sheer quality in the end. Their greater quality wins wins the day. Exactly. Like, I mean, that Mayo just can't beat Dublin. I just, I do, they just can't. They don't have enough um, to be able to beat this Dublin team. Maybe Kerry do because they have the forwards, the lethal forwards that could get those two or three goals. Like, Conan, the scary thing is here, they've won this All-Ireland with Jack, without Jack McCaffrey and Dear McConnelly um, and Howard and Mannion starting on the bench. Like, I mean, which I completely disagree with. Like, I mean, I know Desi had to put his own stamp, but they're four of the best players in the country. And that's what they're winning an All-Ireland without a glove being laid on them without this. Now, I know they have had a very favourable draw to this All-Ireland final. Like, I mean, we're not getting away from that. We don't want to overblow, you know, how much of a domination it was. They ha- did hammer Leash. They did hammer Westmead. They did hammer Mead. You know, these aren't the top quality. And Cavan, let's, with no disrespect to them, one Ulster wouldn't be seen as one of the top four or five teams in the country, you know. And, um, yeah, then beat Mayo, I suppose, in the end pretty comfortably. Like the the higher than Mannion thing you mentioned, like that's almost annoying because there's there's no reason why they shouldn't be playing. <laughs> you know they're they're obviously good enough to be playing on that team. They're obviously uh, better than most other players in the country. Howard had a big impact when he came on, but the fact that they can get away with it is, yeah. is so depressing. Like you know they can just get away with not playing higher than Mannion. And like I, I was thinking about it, like there was a lot of talk of like say David Clark um, struggling with his kickouts and. Uh, you know, there there was a big difference say, to that Dublin team where you're looking at Scully and, and Bugler being their wing forwards, whereas before, you know, like, uh, sorry, not David Clark, sorry, Stephen Cluxton struggling with his kickouts. And before, Dublin had Flynn and Connolly to pick out. They had Michael Darren McCauley. They had Keanu Sullivan. They had a better Johnny Cooper. So even though Dublin are a little bit weaker, and I'm looking at it thinking, how are Mayo two points down at halftime? They look like they were winning most of the battles. It's, they still have the defenders. They cope with whatever forwards Mayo have. And... They still have forwards that can't be stopped, and the forwards are probably even better than before. So I think they have actually declined a little bit, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't get shown up because they can still win one-on-one battles all over the pitch. Yeah, and I completely agree, Keen. Like, I mean, I don't think Dublin are anywhere near their 2016-17 level of teams. I think Merchant Cooper and McDade are there for it for the taking. What they have, what Dublin have now, is a massive fear factor where the teams go out against them. I won't include Mayo or Kerry into this, but everybody else will go out into them, contain them, and they don't take advantage potentially of... Like, if you compare the halfback line that started yesterday, McDade, Small, and Merchant. Now, if you're going to compare that to Jack McCaffrey, Keno Sullivan, and James McCarthy, like, this team isn't anywhere near that 17 or 18 team. 
No, well, I think, yeah, when you look at the, the individual players, you can probably say, oh, yeah, the, the, the team of previous years was maybe slightly better on an individual level, but the collective is still superb, just their organisation yeah. and the, the way they cover ground. And even, like, you might look at it and say, OK, if you were marking one of those players and you're up one-on-one -on -one against them, obviously, if you're up against James McCarthy and you square him up one-on-one, -on -one, you're thinking, OK, he's a pretty strong fella here. I'm going to have to really sell him to get by him. You come up against somebody like Merchant, you just think, right, I'm just going to push him out of my way and he's not going to stop me. But they're, they're still the type of defenders that they can get back. They keep recovering. Like Merchant's recovery pace is superb. And just his ability on the ball as well at times where he just, he picks up the ball in the corner back position and he just takes off on a run up the field and he just runs away from the players that are trying to tackle him because he's just, once he gets into that cruising stride, he just... You know, he just eats up the ground and there's sheer athleticism at times. Like McDade, if you watch him play, he doesn't play at all like an orthodox wing back. I mean, every time Dublin get possession, he just runs up to the full forward line. Uh, you know, so he's just taking his man for a for a for a for a spin every single time Dublin get possession. He doesn't handle a huge amount of the ball, but when he does handle it, he seems to handle it in very dangerous positions. So while he doesn't have the same, I suppose, real fear factor if you're up against a Jack McCaffrey. He presents a different threat, and I suppose that's what Dublin have done. I mean, like McDade's probably on the panel a few years. He's developed his game, and he's got himself into the position where he's in the team. Um, but look, it's just, it, it's hard to be, I wouldn't be critical. It's very difficult to compare um, different years of teams against each other, particularly because the opponents that they're up against in different years are quite different. Like, if you reflect back and you look at the Mayo team of, say, 2015 or that you would expect them to have beaten that Dublin team yesterday based on based on the performance levels given um but look that's that's not really what it's about Dublin yeah, yeah. always find a way in the game so who's to say that if Mayo brought something a little bit more if Mayo had rattled the goal would Dublin have then kicked on and gone more aggressive they didn't need to they were able to play in the second half in, in complete control of the game and that was the one thing that Mayo brought brilliantly in the first half was that they made the game so loose and chaotic no, Dublin were kicking the ball way more, which was forcing sort of misplaced passes. There was was very, very frantic. And then I suppose, look, we spoke about him already, but Howard came into the middle of the field and he's just he's just a kind of a better ball player than even McCarthy in the middle of the field. He's better in possession. And when McCarthy went back to the half back line, then that solidified that line as well. So I mean Howard, Howard just completely controlled that Fenton in the middle and just the phases of possession then and just wore Mayo down. And look, it was you know, you, you would have to say it was, even though it was difficult for them at times because Mayo put such pressure on them and really fought like dogs right to the bitter end, Dublin really controlled that game with a great level of authority in the second half when the game was in the melting pot and when it was really there to be won. Yeah. They, they continually do it year after year and they, look, they're just they are, they definitely are, and you're right, they always find a way. Howard into midfield and McCarthy to the backs definitely made a huge difference uh, to the team. You mentioned goals, and Dean Rock said after the match, we knew we'd have to score goals if we're going to beat this Mayo team because they're so good going forward. And like me, we kind of thinking that maybe Mayo might have to score goals against Dublin. Mayo actually outpointed Dublin, which was, which was kind of surprising. But again, Dublin found a way through the goals. Dean Rock, the fastest ever goal in an all Ireland final, 13 seconds. Like, I mean, you couldn't blame Aidan O'Shea here, Conan. Like he contested the throw in and Aidan O'Shea eight times out of ten wins that. McCarthy got the yard on him, and the minute McCarthy got the yard on him, Aidan O'Shea just is not fast enough to make that yard up. And now immediately there's trouble on. The minute you saw James McCarthy give that kind of diagonal ball to Scully, and they were practicing those that move exactly in the warm-up. 
and it was given back to him. Now he's bearing down and goes, now we have a problem. Yeah, and that's it. And it wasn't like the the merchant thing where he just ran straight through the middle for what sixty meters last time. It was a nice diagonal pass, nice win from Scully who'd gotten away from his man, nice pop back. McCarthy then had the composure to pick out Dean Rock. It was um a little bit different and a little bit more integrate. And yeah, it's hard to it's hard to criticize Aiden O'Shea. He's trying to keep up with a steam train that's running straight through the middle. Um like I, I was trying to be critical of it, but this this is all like it literally all happened in thirteen seconds and that's the yeah. throwing being contested as well. But you know, maybe Barris could have closed down a little bit more. He it it did eventually sort of split them and I think when he was sort of deciding to go to James McCarthy, maybe Clark should have been more wary of of Dean Rock. But I'm being ultra critical there. I think yeah. it's a really good goal from Dublin. No, I, I couldn't agree more with you. And like, I mean, the way I look at it, again, you couldn't be critical. You'd be more critical of the next one. We'll get to that in a second. Is that Clark came out to, to save the shot and Barrett went to McCarthy. So they both committed out, you know, and left it. Now, Dean Rock, the finish from Dean Rock shouldn't be underestimated. Like, I mean, yeah. to lob a goalkeeper from a, from a, from a palmed, um, goal like that was incredible but both Barrett and Clark did the same thing and Conan's right Keen. if Barrett had had gone committed to 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 McCarthy like he did well then Clark should pay more attention to 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 Rock yeah look I think it does happen very quickly and when you when you look back on a on a clip like this and you play it back two or three times yeah. you can always find five or six people who could have done something differently <laughs> I mean, it was very, very reminiscent of the Kerry goal. I know not identical because there was a bit of a one-two played, but it was still the same concept, which was a Dublin runner running straight down the centre of the defence and all of the defenders following their men out blindly. I thought Lee Keegan was very, very slow to react. He should have, like, this is the opening minutes of the game. Jesus Christ, you just block up the centre. Forget about your man. If he kicks a point from 30 metres, who gives a fuck? Like, 70 minutes left to play. You get in and you cover the goal. So there was, there's all of the Mayo defenders are effectively culpable in this scenario. The wing, the wing back who's standing out on the wing, who's watching McCarthy running through and standing with, they're all culpable because they, they all have the ability to say, oh shit, there's danger here. Like, I mean, from the throw-in, if the opposition midfielder gets the ball and is gets gets in behind your midfield, every single defender on the team needs to needs to tuck in and block up the centre and force the yeah. fight. So, I mean, that is a fundamental basic. And I would, while it, while it does happen very quickly and there's a lot of moving parts to it, the basic fundamentals of it are there. I thought Keegan, for an experienced player, was very, very slow to react. Like His contribution to that defensive movement was to pull Paddy Small to the ground. So he was still focused on Paddy Small getting the ball, even though he wasn't a factor in the... You know, so even still, he got wrong side of Paddy Small and had to pull him to the ground, which could have been a penalty if the move broke down. Um, so, look, you would have to be... I suppose James Horan would look at that and he would be pulling his hair out, you know, in 13 seconds, 12 or 13 seconds, like... Absolutely the worst possible start um, for them. I think Clark, in fairness to him, is in a very un- unenviable position because he's trying to work out. He can only move to Rock as the pass is played. And in fairness, you have to say to Rock, it was really, really quick thinking because if he catches that ball, much like O'Callaghan on the second goal, because Clark is flying out to him, he probably gets a chance to, to get a tackle on him or make it more difficult to get the shot away. So brilliant instinctive finish from Rock and yeah. I know we'll talk about it in a few minutes but O'Callaghan's as well magnificent finish but dreadful start for Mayo and loads of different things that from a coaching perspective I'm sure their, their management team would be fair, like really really disappointed with particularly considering when it happened in the game and, and maybe they're the small things that you know Dublin didn't concede a goal all season maybe for little things like we're picking out faults in this and it, you know there are faults made 
Dublin don't make those faults. You know what I mean? They do the right thing. They, they'll close off. Like maybe Barrett should have feigned to go to McCarthy, you know, to make McCarthy make a very quick decision. You know, it was made too easy for McCarthy. Just, and it was a loopy enough pass, I thought, to Rock to Clark if he had been a bit smarter and saw where Rock was, that he could potentially have, you know, put but more even, pressure on him. But again, play, play the calculation. Like this is James McCarthy who's after running 80 metres. Like yeah. he's not a finisher. Dean Rock always no. scores these goals. So maybe you don't let them do that. Maybe you say, okay I'm going to back off right away I've David Clark who's the all-star keeper this is James McCarthy who's after running 70 metres not a noted forward so and he has Aidan O'Shea bearing down him maybe Aidan O'Shea is going to get close enough to get a hand on his back or on his shoulder as he takes the shot to put him off balance and Clark will save it and I've stopped Dean Rock getting it so the timing of these it does happen very very quickly but when you see the end result which is Dean Rock flicking another ball to the net you have to say well, that's what Dublin wants. Dublin wanted. Yeah, to McCarthy wanted. McCarthy wanted Barrett to come to him and make Absolutely. that decision very, very easily for him. And I suppose that's it. Because when you're bearing down on goals and you're a back, you're saying, "So Jesus, somebody make it easy for me." You know, like I mean, don't make me shoot. That's not what I was thinking was going to happen after 13 seconds. But anyways, listen, that's kind of that. The Congo, like we can point out loads of mistakes, Conan, with the Congo. Like I mean, Christ, I mean, this was a four v two, and this just goes back to what Dean Rock said. We knew we'd have to score goals if we're going to beat this Mayo team. And, and they had talked about this. So there was no goal on here for Khan. There was a tap over point off his left. He does a lovely sidestep, takes Mullen out of the game. And to be fair for Khan, who was being well beaten at that stage by Mullen, like from kickouts and Mullen had scored a point, for him not just to take that point and take the easy option and stroke it over with his left foot, he stepped inside him. Now, He's gone inside Mullen and now all sorts of mistakes are being made because Loftus, Dermot O'Connor and Killian O'Connor. I think Killian O'Connor was back there because Durkin was injured at that stage. And that's what Killian O'Connor, Killian O'Connor spent the last two or three minutes of the half in the backs. Um, I don't, we don't know what happened to Durkin. But anyways, they all ran to, he, he passed it inside to Scully. They all ran to Scully and none of them tracked Con, which is a very obvious one too here. And like, I mean, Jesus, Conan, the power he got. I think only a hurler could do this because, I don't know, he punched this harder than I could kick it. Like, this is a punch. <laughs> this is a punch that beats David Clark. He smashed at his feet that Clark didn't even have a second. It's almost like, I don't know, like I'd throw a tennis ball. You know, he just hit that. There, That's a big heavy Gaelic football that he just treated like it was a balloon. <laughs> yeah, pure, pure power. Like it's, it's scary, like the, the, the force that he generated from that with a fist of, of his hand. Like, um, like yeah, there was a lot of Mayo mistakes. Just firstly, though, on Con, like you're right, there was no goal on, but it's unbelievable how often there's no goal on for him and he always seems to manufacture a goal chance with complete ease. Like, so much so that I'm starting to criticise him or judge him for not doing it every time because it looks it looks so easy for him and I'm wondering what, what the hell is he doing? Why does he not just do this all the time? Because anytime he wants to get by people, he seems to be able to do it. But like you're right, there were, there was like four Mayo defenders there who, who did make it easier for him. And Jeremy O'Connor, I thought, was he was playing sweeper at this stage, but the ball was on the left-hand side to, to the left of the post and O'Connor was still sort of man in the centre. Like, you know, as if... As if it was like in midfield, and now he's just sort of keeping an eye on the fullback line. And meanwhile, all the actions happen on the left hand side, and he's not between the man and the goals. And then eventually, when he decides to to think, Jesus, I need to switch on here because Khan's just sold a dummy, and now he's playing a one-two. He is sold by the one-two then because he's reacted too late. So if he had just been, if he had been between Khan and the goals, when that one-two happens, he would have seen Khan coming straight at him 
And yeah. like, that wouldn't have happened then. He wouldn't have been taken out of the game. But because he's in reaction mode then, it's just it's just so easy. And then it's, it's brilliant piece of skill yet again from Conor Callahan. But um, I, another one that I think James Horn will be looking back on and thinking, for God's sake, we lost by five points. There's two goals we could have avoided. Well, that's it, Keen. Like a, a one-two at this level in All Ireland final. I know you criticised Tipperary for, like, I mean, you know, kicking the ball away. This is a one-two, a four-on-two, and a one-two scores a goal in an All Ireland final. Like, I mean, from a Mayo point of view, that was, de- and I wouldn't mind that goal was at such a desperate time. They were way on top. Killian Connor had just scored two marks. You know, they'd gone two points ahead, and bang again. The usual story for Mayo: the good work is done from a simple one-two goal. Yeah, absolutely. And to me, it, it, it comes back to the, the defensive decision-making. You know, you go back, if you play it back again, Conor Callaghan looked sensational player and his first step and his sidestep is just magnificent. And it's very, very difficult for any player one-on-one to defend that. So look, you'll give Oshin Mullen a way out and you say, look, yeah. it could be slightly critical and say, Mullen's a little bit over-eager. If you're playing against a player like Conor Callaghan and you know what a goal threat he is and you're playing in such a big game like that, sometimes you have to just stand, give him that half a yard, you know, and if he's going to kick a point, he's going to kick a point. But sometimes you just have to play the percentage and say his record is so good in these games, and he's not—he's not a magnificent point scorer. So sometimes you just say, let's just give him that half a yard. If he then takes that powerful step, I can meet him, and at that stage he has to try and take a play, and that's when I get the physical contact on him. But if you get too close to him, get too eager, he makes that step and he is gone, and you're chasing your tail, and. Like, okay, so he beats Mullen. We can be hypercritical of Mullen and say, you know the player you're up against. You need to do your homework and do a bit better. Okay, then Killian O'Connor is the next man who's culpable because he has Scully. He's marking him. He rushes towards Conor Callaghan, even though there's other cover defenders there. He didn't need to make that decision. So he steps to Callaghan. That makes Conor Callaghan's mind up for him. You know, so he just flicks it to an unmarked Scully and keeps running. Matthew Ruan is standing beside Conor Callaghan when he plays the pass. Oh, it's Loftus. Oh, was it Loftus? And yeah, he just... Eight. He just follows that he just looks at the ball and makes no doesn't run doesn't track Conor Callaghan at all and by the time the pass is the Scully just plays a simple hand pass back to Callaghan you look at where he's where he's striking the ball from and in fairness magnificent finish which you mentioned before there's no Mayo defender covering directly in front of the goals I mean that's where you need to track back in so I mean just on so many levels again from a coaching perspective I'd say when James Horan looks at this and his team they're going to be thinking there were so many individual decisions that were made just in that split second in the heat of the moment. And the contrib- you know, the, the accumulation of all of those wrong decisions ends up with the ball in our nest again. And like if you compare that to the way that they Dublin do their scramble defence when one player gets beaten, they all like they don't compound one bad decision with another bad decision. If, if one player gets beaten because he gets too tight, the next Dublin defender makes a good defensive decision. You know, they're maybe not that yeah. rash. Or if it's or if it needs to be done, which they have done a lot of, they're just foul. So, I mean, it could have been the next defender who just pulls Conor Callaghan back or stays in nice and tight to Scully and just makes sure that there's no pass for Conor Callaghan. The Conor Callaghan, when he beats the first man, there's an, at least one more Mayo defender there. The Con has to carry the ball into him and he can get swallowed up rather than having a simple one-two because we all know that's the best way to beat that type of... Uh, you know, to get through a little line break is play a little one too because you can't, obviously, as soon as you release the ball, you can't be checked. And the natural reaction for all players is to just switch off and follow the ball and all of a sudden man's gone in behind. So that's the perfect example of, you know, you're looking at it like soccer is just like a little, tri- it was a two-man triangle there from Dublin and it took out four Mayo defenders. 
Yeah, it definitely did. What about Fitzsimons hit on Keegan uh, Conan? Like, I mean, Christ almighty, you'd have to give Keegan an awful lot of credit for getting up and playing on um, after this one. Do I, I saw it was, saw some of the uh, Saturday or Sunday game last night or whatever you'd call it on a Saturday and uh, they were talking about a red card. She's uh, like, for me, that's not a red card, but it's a free and a yellow card, I would su- suggest, Conan. Yeah, they're talking about a red card because it's a terrible miss from David Coldrick. <laughs> you know, if David Coldrick deals with that like he should at the time, then we're not talking about it again. And just, I just can't get over it. Like, you know, the amount of soft, pointless freeze that Coldrick was given all game. And then, and then his attitude to that, like, you know, the way he's waving him up as if to say, get up. Like, you've you just been hit, take it like a man and get up. Like, just like, well, what? Like, you were right beside it. You've watched it. Um, yeah, like, you would have even heard that going in his chest. You know, that sound that you make when you get hit in the chest and you're not expecting it? Like, yeah. you know, it's, it's just a terrible call. And at an important time as well, was there a point in it that would have been an equalizer? Um, would have just helped give them, you know, that bit of, not, not momentum, but would have stopped a bit of the double momentum because it seemed for about 15 minutes there, I think, double were a point up. And it was like, this is Groundhog Day. Mayo just can't can't get ahead of them again like you know when it's coming down the stretch and that would have been a a big one just just a terrible miss from david coldrick and because he didn't deal with it, there was a vacuum and everybody started talking a bit more over the top about it yeah to be fair to Fitzsimons, if he didn't open keegan up there you'd be disappointed in him keegan was wide open oh god it's happened to me in games you you, you you're going for a ball and you've no idea that fella's lining you up like yeah. i mean you know it's just desperate and it's the worst hit because you haven't tense you haven't made yourself yeah. ready for it you haven't gone off the ground it's just desperate and he rattled him to his very very core i thought it was fair in in real time, but it wasn't. A frustrating thing is, remember, Paddy Durkin hit, given someone a great hit in the Connacht final, and he and he got a yellow for what was an actual fair shoulder. So, you know, um, Keen, it can be can be difficult. Wouldn't blame Fitzsimons in any way. Tried for a shoulder to shoulder, ended up getting him in the chest. No elbows up. It wasn't a head high tackle. There was nothing really wrong with it outside of the fact that it was maybe six inches off. Yeah, aside from the fact that he shouldered him at the centre of the chest, it was fine. <laughs> no, look, it was a ferocious hit from Fitzsimons, to be fair. Like, he he saw, like, but again, he spotted the danger and he knew that he had to make massive contact, you know, to get there at the right time. And yeah. to him, he, he got his timing slightly off, but he left his own man. He did. To meet, to meet Keegan, like, and that's those sort of good defensive decisions we're talking about. Now, look, the execution of the tackle, I mean, it's hard to say it's a good decision when it was a blatant foul, but at the same time, it really looked like Mayo had held possession well there and it looked like Keegan was get, heading in going for goal. So, but Simons saw Keegan and just made a beeline for him and it was an absolutely ferocious tackle. Um, an inexplicable decision from um, from David Coldrick that he didn't award the free because, I mean, you just sometimes you, you know by the way a fella hits the ground that, that the timing of it is off. Like he landed on his back. Like if you're hit shoulder to shoulder, it's rare that you would you would end up going flat onto your back. So yeah. he, he buried him in the chest. Um and it should have been a tap over free to Mayo. And I suppose they'll they'll feel quite aggrieved there because even following on from that, Mayo still, you know, they they were still putting Dublin under pressure as they were working the ball out and play was stopped. And then Dublin just get a handy free in their own defence as well when Mayo had them right under pressure. So it was a kind of a double whammy for Mayo. And of course for Keegan as well. I mean, no matter what, when you take a physical belt like that so long into a game as well, it does take time to recuperate. And maybe that um, took a bit out of him um, near the end of the game. But I mean, I suppose it was just another example of um, the ferocity of fight in the Dublin team. And you look at somebody like the Simons there, who's, I mean, that was his eighth All-Ireland medal um, yesterday. I mean, like just a, a phenomenal achievement from, I suppose, 
probably an unsung hero, but again, yesterday he made a number of, you know, crucial, crucial um, impacts on the game, which which just stopped Mayo getting that score that they needed and just kept Dublin, you know, kept, got possession back for Dublin, kept them taking over. And that's another example of just his ferocity and how he's developed as a player, I guess, over the years. Yeah, and like I mean, I suppose when McCarthy took that one-two back off Scully that time, or when Con took that one-two back off off Scully, someone could have lined both of them up, but they didn't. You know what I mean? Fitzsimons had the cop on to see that one-two and and nail Keegan before there was actually a lovely moment. I don't know if the TV cameras caught it as Fitzsimons went back down to Keegan. Keegan stayed in the corner forward position because he couldn't move, and Fitzsimons went over to him, gave him a fist pump, and Keegan put the hand up and gave him the fist pump as well. Almost just an admission: you got me, fair play to you. And that was it. I don't think we need to talk about the McDade black card, lads. That was a fair. We'll talk about how Mayo probably didn't capitalize on it in part two when we analyze. I think we'd all probably agree it was a black card. McDade knew exactly what he was doing when he passed that ball off. He took a step across, I think it was Kevin McLaughlin. And, uh, you know, that was it. What did you make of the Philly McMahon, Keith Higgins thing, lads? I'd love to know what Philly McMahon said, uh, Conan, because, you know, we, we know these trash talk things go on during games. But whatever was said here made, it, it, it was to Killian O'Connor, who's after having a brilliant first half. Whatever he said, both Higgins and Aidan O'Shea, reacted in a way that I don't I don't know it's it's very difficult to know and I know all this trash talking goes on I was talking to a Kerry man in Crow Park yesterday who I won't say who it was and he was telling me Fitzmaurice Eamon Fitzmaurice told him what Philly used to say to him and he was calling him a fat fucker or whatever like yeah. this like a, you know Fitzmaurice wouldn't take that kind of bait and asked Philly was he did he have a wig on his head the way Philly has a big mop on the top yeah and like all these kind of trash talks about physical appearances and it gets dirty and all that so I, Keith Higgins and Aidan O'Shea would be well used to that Killian O'Connor amazingly didn't even flinch at what yeah. everyone said it was an unusual one well that, like that like, I suppose Killian O'Connor deserves a lot of credit like he he wasn't even interested I'm sure he's heard a lot of shit and he knew he was having a good half as well like so he probably felt like you know, I don't need to get involved in this whatever whatever Philly said he, he found it hilarious anyway and he was he was walking away with his head down laughing and then i think that's when Kate higgins just couldn't couldn't let it lie but like, i was wondering how, how would desi farrell feel about that like you know because Dublin are going in two points up mayo have probably had the, the better of most of the the game in the first half they now have an extra man for 10 minutes and you know like Philly McMahon, a sub has just rattled. Like he's caused a bit of a fight there in the tunnel. And if I was Desi Farrell, I'd be like, "What are you? What are you doing? Like you've just you just got them going in, hyped up, and they're changing them." But maybe, maybe there was some sort of psychology to that as well, where like you know they wanted Mayo to lose their cool a little bit. But in fairness to Killian, he didn't. It no shade, didn't really either. He just tried to push them in the back of the head, but he yeah, didn't yeah. too bothered by it. It was it was Keith Higgins who was mostly maybe he was just frustrated at not at not playing himself, but he wasn't going to let it lie. He probably deserved a, a, a yellow or a red card when he came out. Higgins reacted in a way, Keen, that he shouldn't be re- reacting to whatever provocation it was. Yeah, to be fair, I didn't actually, I haven't seen fully the incident or played back a few times. I, I saw just a, a brief clip of it. So it's difficult to know. Look, I mean, this sort of stuff does go on quite, we'll say, semi-regularly. And I suppose it's in the heat of battle. Both teams are backing their own teammates to the hilt there and nobody's going to take a backward step. Look, it's ugly. No, I, I would say nobody likes to see it, but let's be honest, every spectator probably yeah. was at home was like, oh, Jesus, show us a bit of that. Like, you know, because everyone yeah. wants to see that real fire and competitiveness. Now, look, we don't, obviously we couldn't condone it spilling over and into that sort of, what is complete nonsense, really. But um, at the same time, it just, I suppose, displays... Um, 
as how much guys want to win. And I, yeah, I think I can understand it maybe from Keegan's perspective, or sorry, from Higgins' perspective. He's not playing. And sometimes when you're watching a game, it can be more hyped up than guys who are actually playing in the match because you have a load of this bad energy and built to win yeah. and every mistake is the worst mistake in the world and every referee and decision is completely wrong and against your team so you're just totally wired and uh, and then look at it wouldn't take much and I'm sure from I'm sure from the Mayo guys perspective I mean they would see guys like Johnny Cooper and Philly McMahon as bloody poor eggs that any opportunity they get they'd love to get a belt at them and I'm sure from a Dublin perspective there's guys on the Mayo team that they'd feel the same way about so it's just one of those I mean there's certain guys on every team that you know, everybody's just waiting for them to do something so that there could be a bit of a pile on, on them. So um, I guess I suppose Philly, as you say, Philly maybe found the whole thing quite amusing and he didn't seem too bothered about it and maybe it rattled a few Mayo guys and he's probably chuckling away to himself after. But uh, yeah, all, all nice and spicy, we'll say. Yeah, exactly. So did you see the Cluxton interview with Desi with Joanne Cantwell last night? I was looking at this. I, th- I don't I, I don't know. I think Desi's a little bit more personable than Jim Gavin. So I thought maybe Cluxton came across better than he would if he was sitting beside um, beside Jim. I think uh, Cluxton saying that he he goes into the dressing room after the match, I thought was an interesting one, out of respect for the losers and for them not to see, you know, them celebrating. I wouldn't say Cluxton would be doing a huge amount of celebrating anyways, but I thought that was an interesting one, Conan, that the reason he goes into the dressing room so quickly is out of respect for the losers because he has a lot of experience of being, or he probably doesn't have much experience. Does he have any experience of losing an all final? No, I'd say, but his experience of losing on the big day, I thought that was a nice thing for him to say. It was, and, and like in, in fairness to Desi, he admitted to being relieved after winning, you know, which it's just, it's, it's a small thing, but I don't think, you know, Jim Gavin would have spoken like that or spoken as honestly as that. Or, you know, he just... Like Desi Farrell, right there and then, is opening up and, and confronting the pressure that he felt as a, as a Dublin manager. And, and like, yeah, if sometimes you look at him or listen to him in the interviews and think that he might come across as boring and stuff. And I, I thought that that might, like, you know, wear on the players. But the players seem to love him. And anybody I've spoken to who's worked at him at underage level and stuff, they all... Like they're, they're they're all obsessed with him. Like he seems to be whatever he's doing every day with him in training ground. It, like and I know you mentioned Jack McCaffrey on Thursday, and like I, I did hear him saying he wanted to stay on another year because of Desi. And it's like he just seemed to have that sort of bond with the players and the scenes afterwards of hugging them all, and it it was real genuine. And I think I think that's a that that's a nice reason as well. Like yeah, not to be rubbing it in people's faces because yeah, it, can, it can be sore. But yeah. maybe it's just that Longford game that he lost as an underage coach that it, that's still a great sad. And maybe Longford didn't get into the changing rooms early enough, and he, he remembered that. No, no, it was Cluxton. Sorry, Cluxton was the one that said that. Oh, sorry, sorry. Like it well, Cluxton, <laughs> Cluxton ran in in 2011 after Kerry had what well, all those Kerry players and won five All Irelands. He just kicked a winning score and he sprinted down the tunnel. So I don't think he needed to do it in that situation. In, in that case, Cluxton is talking a bit of shit. <laughs> so you completely changed your mind. He did have to. He did have to say a key that he was delighted and that no one's more delighted. It mightn't show. He admitted. So, like, I mean, I to be honest with you, I thought Cluxton came across well. Well, in that interview, it was funny. They were they were being asked about how you know they got through the lockdown and kept the bond between them going because the Limerick hurlers had admitted that they did cooking competitions over Zoom and all these kind of things. And like, I mean, Desi was just kind of being honest. Um, saying, yeah, Stephen won the cook- cooking competitions and Cluxton was having issues hearing Desi and he couldn't really make out what he was saying. And then Cluxton started talking about doing karaoke and, you know, quizzes. 
and you could see Cluxton leaning in, making sure, what is this lad saying here now? This is completely off script. I don't know what the hell. This would never happen under Jim Gavin. Yeah, he was getting worried that he might tell the secrets. <laughs> you know? um, but ah, look at it. In fairness to Cluxton, he's just he's not comfortable in that particular scenario. He doesn't really like talking about it. He's, I suppose you would have to say it would be astonishing if he was a humble guy because he's because of all he's achieved, you know. So I'm sure he has his own ego too. But in terms of his approach and his his work ethic and his attention to detail and his um, his humbleness in in continuing to do the level of work that's required. I mean, that's yeah. humbleness. I mean, at the end of the day, he has an ego because he stands out in front of eighty thousand people. He puts the ball on the tee and he hits it on the you know, and he's and he's hitting guys with with relative accuracy consistently. So, I mean. He just doesn't like to be in that, I suppose, the public limelight. And that's fair enough. And, you know, he's he's always going to be judged for what he does on the pitch, not um, not how well he reads his, uh, his scripted uh, acceptance speeches. Um, but look, it is nice for them to, I suppose, for the general public, maybe get a little insight into, into what makes these guys tick. And in fairness, you could see it, as Conan mentioned there, there was, there did seem to be a little bit more emotion in terms of, uh, We'll say the the embraces between management and players than there would have been in under Jim Gavin, but I mean that's that's a, a, a kind of a small and irrelevant thing in many respects. It's just a different relationship between manager and players, and every manager does does his thing differently, and they'll all be judged by what happens on the pitch. So their preparation with the players and what actually is shown on the field of play. So I mean, look at again from taking over from Jim Gavin, Desi Farrell has has you would have to say done a, a magnificent job because. He's taken a. He's you know brought in a couple of blooded a couple of new guys this year into the team, and he's also managed to get huge performances out of the guys that have been there for years. So I mean, from that perspective, um, he hasn't upset things in any way. And if anything, he's probably added a little bit of vibrancy to the thing, which was you know which you would imagine is absolutely needed after doing five in a row. It's very difficult for any team to to continue on in another cycle like that. So yeah. you know, the whole thing did have to evolve, and he deserves massive credit along with his extended management team, of which I'm sure there are numerous um, you know people that have an have an input in it. And you know, fair play to them; they they deserve they deserve their success. They definitely do. Congrats to the the Galway under twenty ones or under twenties um, on a win, a deserved win, I suppose. Yesterday, like I mean, a, a, a big shout out has to go to Josh Brannan, the Dublin cornerback, for the absolute dive that he tried to win a free at the very end. It was a touch on the hip, and he went went over and then got back up and then made another dive, Conan. And like I mean, you'd have to say I don't blame Josh in any way, shape, or form. There was a point in it; they had to get a free, you know, because Galway had a lot of men back behind the ball. Outstanding refereeing, Conan, because, you know, like, I mean, the easiest thing, referees almost have to whistle in their mouth at that yeah. stage trying to blow up a free. I'd say maybe the referee looked at it and went, this Galway are the better team here. I'm not sure if a draw is even a fair result. <laughs> no, but like, and, I, and that's why yeah, I would feel sympathy for Josh Brannan as well, because, yeah, 99 out of 100 referees will just give the free there in that situation. Like, he, he's come into a tight area. He's come onto the ball strongly. Looks like he's been tripped. And it would be very easy for the referee just to give the free to firstly end the move and to uh, tie up the game. But uh, I think if Paul Fallon was refereeing, it was a brilliant call. He was in great position and he wasn't having any of it. And like to be honest, Galway were by far the better team. So they, like, they, they deserved their win. They, they went six points up, I think, with 25, 24 minutes to go. And then they just let Dublin creep ever so slightly back into it. But Dublin never looked like they were going to push on in fairness and a lot of that was down to the captain Jack Lynn as well who had a great speech after marking Kieran Archer and winning man of the match so no fair play to him 
Yeah, another man of the match, captain and um, lifting the cup, like Conor Sweeney in the Munster final. What a day. Anyways, listen, we'll come back and we'll talk about the match uh, tactically. Derek, great to finally get to interview you. Oh, really, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it great? Why do you not do many interviews? I don't know, really. Um, I wasn't being asked to do a whole well. Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? I know we spoke about the defensive side of things. If you're coming in and you want to be, if you want to be the Woolly Parkinson and, and just play for myself, and an in, in intercounty corner forward isn't just hatching inside either. He's, no, you know, no. He's, uh, unfortunately for you, Woolly, it won't last forever. You can ask ex players that, you can ask your, you know, that yourself, Woolly. Yeah, um, mine never started at yeah, all. Well, <laughs> that's, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, so Dublin 240 in Mayo, 15 points. Like I said, at the start of the show, Mayo outpointed Dublin, which is very, very unusual. And by far the better team in the first half, uh, Keane. Like, I mean, they went in two down at halftime, which was just incredible. All the big moments were in their favour, like Mullen catching twice over Con, Dermot O'Connor turning over McDade. They won five of Cluxton's kickouts. Like, I mean, the reality is here is that if Dublin had the dominance that Mayo had in the first half, that game, it, that game's over. They're ten points up. Like the reality is, Mayo can't hammer home, you know, their dominance like Dublin can, and maybe no team can do, can hammer home their dominance like Dublin can. No, I think that's true. I think Dublin, when they do get those chances, they they're just extremely efficient. Like if you look back at Mayo in the first half, I mean. Loftus had a, had an opportunity which he flicked over the bar. I mean, I I can remember 2011. Stephen Bray when we were play, when we beat Dublin. Stephen Bray came through in a very very similar position. He buried a goal in the near post, and you know, and that sets the tone for the game. So yeah, that was an opportunity, not an easy opportunity, but when you consider that in all these games, Mayo surely knew that they needed to go for the jugular on occasion. So I mean, that that was one that I would look at as a as a probably a guilt-edged opportunity. If you find you, that could be the best opportunity for goal to get in a game and it probably was Mayo's best goal opportunity. Um, yeah, and, and and like you say, I don't, I, I was watching Loftus yesterday. He runs around a little bit like a headless chicken. Like he doesn't influence the game and if you have a midfielder that can't influence the game, why is he in midfield? That's what they're there for. So I really don't understand this. I was watching him in the second half and running to one lad, running to another lad and it's like, you know, standing out on the sideline. He just... I don't know. He just doesn't bring enough to the game um, as far as I'd be concerned. Like Mayo responded to the first goal, Connor. They cancelled it out within a space of a couple of minutes. Like Aidan O'Shea won the very next kick out after the James McCarthy goal. And I suppose the tactic of bringing him out for kick outs, not everyone, you might not have been able to see it on television, but he'd come out for a few. Like, And when he came out, generally Clark would go for him and that was a lovely tactic because that was a mismatch with him and and Byrne and it was very interesting watching Fenton then Fenton obviously being the smart player that he is he started leaving his man to head over towards O'Shea when he saw this you know what I mean they're as clever the Dublin the Dublin lads that have been able to see things unfolding they are and, and like in fairness to me oh yeah despite that goal and we're talking about the some of the structural elements that let them down and like yeah, game management like they they did have a good game management overall and that they didn't let it rattle them. Like, yeah, they just, I think it was 90 seconds where they were back level again. Like, they just started winning kickouts. They started imposing their own game. But the problem with double, like, yeah, even like we're talking about Conor Callahan coming out for kickouts and Ashi Mullen just eating them up. And there was one stage where Ashi Mullen had that big catch. And then I think it might have been Kevin McLaughlin who just drove Conor Callahan in the back of his shoulder, you know, to the ground. And it was like, 
you know, yeah. you're not getting in your own way today. So Mayo like did bring like they brought good intensity and they obviously brought good play to it as well. But just the problem with Dublin is that like they hammer home their advantage, yeah, like you're saying, when they're on top. But when you're on top, when you're Mayo and you're on top, Dublin can still get two goals like they did because you can't no matter how much you're on top of them, you can't stop those boys having an influence. Like Kilkenny and Callahan are just they're just miles ahead of anything I can remember for the last ten years. And when they're when they're able to do that, no matter how far you're ahead of a team, it's just it must be just demoralizing for me. Yeah, yeah sure. like I mean Sorry, sorry, Willie, I was just to make a point that, like, you mentioned Kilkenny there. I mean, when Mayo were on top, Kilkenny scored an absolutely sensational point in the first half where it was a lovely ball into him from Scully, but he's out in the corner. Yeah. Had two Mayo defenders on him. You know, he's right against the end line. He ends up coming back out the field and just kicks a brilliant score. And, like, that was the type of just superb individual effort that players of that quality can just bring to the table and you, you literally can't really defend against that because he had to again Mayo did absolutely nothing wrong but just that sheer quality and it was again it was it was Kilkenny near the end of the game that got his got another two points it was like it is it's Kilkenny and O'Callaghan are now they are the go yeah with, with Mannion obviously not on the field to play and when he came on he did make a bit of an impact but you can see he's missing a bit of game time but just when you mentioned them, like they just, Kilkenny and O'Callaghan, just awesome. And particularly in these big games, they're just, their record is just really, really superb. They're, they're, yeah, there's no doubt about that. Like, I mean, it, the reality is that Mayo just don't have the quality that Dublin have. And that's the reality of it. Like, I mean, would any of the Mayo forwards make the Dublin make the Dublin team? And you'd maybe say, Dermot O'Connor might get onto the Dublin team in midfield. You know, you, 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 know you, you wouldn't be making a case for too many of them to start. Um, on the Dublin team when Paul Mannion like I mean Tommy Conroy had a bit of a disaster oh McLaughlin had a bit of a disaster too we didn't see anything yeah. from him and the odd time when he met a, went on a run then Conan he kind of let it fall out of his hands in fairness to young Ryan O'Donoghue he had an outstanding first half he was really really good the poor chap is just that little bit too small though because when he goes into contact sometimes he spills it but he he definitely impressed me as a player that was buzzing all over the place. He was out in John Small. Him and Tommy Conroy were switching positions between centre-forward and the full-forward line. It worked out great for Ryan O'Donoghue. It worked out terrible for Tommy Conroy because the poor <laughs> chap was running around, couldn't get into the game at all. You know, but like, I mean, you wouldn't blame Mayo for trying a few things out because Dublin wouldn't have been expecting that. And, and I think what impressed me most about Ryan O'Donoghue was early on, I think he lost two balls just by yeah running into tackle and getting bottled up. And I... I was just thinking, oh, is this just a different level up or he first all in the final, lack of experience. And he didn't let it get to him. Like he kicked out when he was lining up for that big score, his first one. I was like, what are you doing? And an amazing score. And he just, yeah, he had that heart that he was, he was taking the fight to them. And he, he got he got up to the pitch of the game and he didn't let himself get bottled up after that. Um, but yeah, like, and you're right about Owen McLaughlin. That was a little bit disappointing because it's like he was so influential for him the whole game. Same as Tommy Conroy. But like, it, com- it comes back to it. Like when you... Yeah, when you have Kieran Kakeni or or Conor Callahan, like you can have a bad game and still score heavily. Whereas when you're Mayo, you have to be winning all those battles in midfield and around the halfback line, like they were. But you can't really run up a big score line when you don't have the same forwards. So it's just, you're always sort of fighting an uphill battle when you don't have those caliber of forwards. Yeah, uh, where, where, sorry, Kim, but where's the where's the the Dublin press gone? Like Mayo won 19 of their 22 kickouts. They won all 12 in the first half. We spoke extensively here last Thursday, Keith, about how Clark's kickout is a worry. It was a worry against Tipperary. Kerry destroyed it, dismantled it last year. Dublin didn't press it to any extent. And they had chances. The one sticks out to me was the Kilkenny mark. Like, I mean, he got the one after that off so easily. You know, there was opportunities for them to do it and they didn't do it. 
Yeah, I suppose you would have to say it looked like it was a fairly obvious, it was like a, a tactical decision from Dublin to not overexpose themselves going in on the breaking ball or going with that high press because, OK, Mayo at times were able to play a few very, very short, which Clark did when they were on. But then Mayo had a fairly obvious tactic that when they were going long, with the kickouts, it, they were flooding that zone, and there were yeah. a ferocious amount of Mayo men going in, and they were going in with real intent, and they were, they, and that's what they needed to do, and it worked really well for them. But the Dublin players weren't going into that zone with the same intent or with the same numbers as the Mayo players, because I suppose maybe they look leading into the game, they were probably thinking, if we if we don't concede goals against Mayo, we're going to beat. Because we fancy ourselves to get a goal or two ourselves, and we'll do enough then outside of that. And in fairness, that's the way it, that's the way it worked out. So I think they were maybe a little bit conservative, um, more so than usual, because you know Mayo gave them a different challenge to you know than what they faced all year. So they weren't able to just go completely aggressively with the press because they maybe were playing it a little bit cagey and saying, okay, well, what, what's the, it's the risk reward thing every time. If we flood that zone with all of our defenders and, you know, because all the Mayo half forward line say are going to run in for the break. If the if all of the Dublin half back line goes with them and Mayo win that ball, you know, yeah. there's, they're, they're all chasing back towards their own goal and it's maybe a two on two inside. And that's when you can really get opened up. So Birchin, more often than not, I'm sure it was him, just kind of sat in behind there and didn't maybe go all the way with his man in, in underneath the break so that they always had that spare defender, even if Mayo won the ball. So, like Mayo performed really well on their own kickouts because they got them away short, and then when they did go long, it was an obvious tactic that they they'd play it out to one of the wings, and they'd all the you know six or seven or eight Mayo guys would really get in there and try and get on the breaking ball, and at least if they didn't win it, then they were going to be massively putting the Dublin man on on the ball under pressure. And in fairness to Mayo, they won the large bulk of them. The, the key turning point really for me in terms of the possession stakes in the game on kickouts was just that Brian Fenton in the second half just went up and caught a couple of kickouts. In the first yeah. half, Mayo were able to break them off him. He wasn't able to just catch them clean because, look, we've spoken about this before. I mean, you talk about Cluxton and all cracking Cluxton's kickout and all this. I mean, like, that's a load of nonsense half the time because if the team presses up and he has to go long, or if he kicks long, he's kicking to the contest. You know, if if Brian Fenton was up and catches the ball, I mean, that's Brian Fenton. That's not Cluxton. Cluxton just kicked the ball out there. You know what I mean? So, like, in the first half, the, the catch that Mullen got was a bad kick out from Cluxton. It was kicked to the wrong side from O'Callaghan's perspective and Mullen caught it. But in the past, we've seen Cluxton's kickouts like that be won by Dublin players. And, and, you know, and they get a score down the fire and it looks to get all the credit. But the reality is the guys in the middle third of the field have to go up and compete and win the ball. And Mayo in the first half competed better than Dublin and won the ball. And that's why they were able to retain, I suppose, a foothold in the game because they had enough possession that they, they didn't... Dublin probably just didn't have the number of attacks that they usually do. In the second half... Uh, Fenton won a couple of balls, got them a foothold, and then they were able to get into their usual cycle of possession where they retained the ball and worked it, and they were quite patient, worked the scores, then forced Mayo into fouls, and Dean Rock clips a few frees, and then they were, in turn, they were able to win a couple of Clark's kickouts that went long. So, I mean, like, there was only maybe two or three kickouts, and, you know, it might be four kickouts that went Dublin's way in the second half that would have gone Mayo's way in the first half. And that's the, di- you know, that can be the difference between winning and losing in the end. So I suppose what Mayo did eliminate was the sort of, you know, those ones where Clark was kind of chipping them up, floating them up into the air that were landing around the 45, which killed them against Tipperary. So he only did one of them in the second half, and it was the one where Aidan O'Shea went up for the and broke yeah. the he ended up fouling Scully for I think I think Manu maybe kicked the point. So I mean, like their key margins that they didn't make those sort of 
I suppose, didn't shoot themselves in the foot at all, Mayo. And they deserve, their management team deserve credit for not putting them in that position. But then the players deserve massive credit for actually implementing the game plan really well. And that kept them in the game. But that's a template that, Jesus, it's an, it's an old school template. It's like the ball is kicked out, lads. Go up and fight for it. And everybody just get to where that ball is dropping and fight for the bloody thing. I mean, like that's, that's a, it's a tactical approach. And it works if you're men, if you have bodies that are going in there with the right intent. It's one of the great anomalies, and we've mentioned this on the show before, about kickouts, is that Mayo will try and keep every single one of their kickouts away from Fenton because Fenton's so good in the air. And then Dublin don't try to kick every one of theirs to Fenton because Fenton's so good in the air. Like, why would Cluston not put the majority of his kickouts at Fenton when he knows Mayo will try and avoid Fenton at all costs because he's too good. Do you get me, Conan? Like, doesn't it not make sense in a way that he's trying to find the likes of Con and the likes of these lads, whereas Mayo will do anything but go in, go into that area? Yeah, I mean, it sits them then just behind it wherever it's not going to be caught cleanly by Fenton. I remember we um, back home, we played Slock Neil one, one night. It was a Friday night. And they honestly, God, they must have won about 95% of the kickouts. And I was chatting to one of the boys afterwards and I was like... What are you? What are you doing? You know, and he was like, "We're just, we're just running underneath the kickout. <laughs> we're winning the ball ahead of you boys." Like, you know, <laughs> they had some sort of master plan and some strategy, and they just, they just wanted to win the ball more, and they, and they were, they were hungrier for it, and that's what happens. Like sometimes it is that simple, and that's like that's what Mayo was keen say we're doing in the first half, and I think Dublin started matching them a bit more, plus Fenton and Howard as well started winning a few more cleanly, so that sort of saps their their energy a bit more. Yeah, Howard made a huge difference and him and Fenton really, really upped the ante. We'll mention them in performance of the weekend a little bit more, but there's no doubt about that. And Ruan completely went out of the game after having a very good first half. One mistake Mayo made, and when I saw his name, like Durkin had to go off, and that's fair enough. But Plunkett came on for him. Now, they had an extra man and they left Plunkett as the extra man. And I just went, oh, lads. Like surely Kevin McLaughlin or somebody, like they could have brought on a forward and put Kevin McLaughlin wing back. I don't know, like, I mean... It, it was seemed like a very conserve for such an attacking manager, um, Keane in Horan. You have an advantage now. You know, you've been the better team in the first half. You have an extra man. Use the feckin' extra man and give Dublin, make Dublin change their shape because McLaughlin now is the spare man in the half forward. You know, half forward. They just made it very easy for Dublin. Now all of a sudden, Dublin had, Mayo had an extra defender. Dublin play against this all the bloody time. There haven't been a team yet this year that's played against that hasn't had an extra defender. And they asked no questions of Dublin for the whole 10 minutes McDade was in the in the sin bin. Yeah, I suppose it, it's a difficult one. I suppose I'll give you a bit of a, a, a long-winded answer to it is that even if you're dead, I think Dublin actually going down a man actually helped Dublin because what it, what it forced Dublin to do was slightly change the way they were playing. You know, they were playing that kind of uh, more of a kicking game uh, in the first half, trying to go forward with everything very quickly, you know, playing just like an open brand of football, like they would you would expect they want to do. But when Dublin get into this controlled possession-based football, they're basically unbeatable. Whereas when they get into that sort of frantic hell for leather, up and down the field stuff, it they, it can expose gaps in their in their system, as you would expect, because players are all over the place and possession is turned over that a bit more regularly, and they start to look a bit human. But I've have kind of have first-hand experience of this, you know, playing a championship this year where we played a championship game and the opposition got two black cards and were out to 13 men. But, I mean, all that happens is all the 13 players from the opposition or 12 of them or 11 of them, they just camp inside their own 45. So, I mean, it's not as if it opens up the game for a team that has the extra players. I mean, they don't have more space to work in. In fact, what, what often happens is the team with the extra man has less space in 
upfronted the attack because the opposition, because they're down a man, a man, they maybe start to work that a little bit harder, you know, defensively, and they also start to retain possession, um, when they have it. So they start to ease into the clock, and that can feed into a little bit of um, unease in the team that has the extra man because he doesn't know should he, you know. The, the, technical position where you think he should be is you know screening across his own half back line or something like that or do you push that extra man right up the field and try and hunt down the ball and if you do that against maybe a team like Dublin maybe your your extra man just ends up running around a lot chasing possession because he'd effectively have to go in and mark Cluxton because Dublin use him so well as their spare man too so yeah but what would be wrong what would be wrong with him doing that I'm not saying there would be anything wrong with it but if, if you're if you're from Mayo's perspective they know that their their individual defender one on one are in trouble so they know that like what Dublin would want Mayo to do in that scenario is actually to push all their players up the pitch and start to chase the ball down and they'll use clucks and they'll work the extra man and then they'll break the line and then they'll have two on two or three on three inside and then they'll get a sucker punch goal and psychologically that's a huge thing for the team with 14 men to get against the team for, with 15 men. I think that now we can definitely say that it could have been done different and like there's 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 schools of thought around it on. You could definitely look at that and say okay if I want my spare man to be somebody who can contribute to the attack that would be just my instinctive thing because that's the way I would see the game is that I would want as you say somebody like Kevin McLaughlin somebody that's really good on the ball and they can actually deliver a good ball and can get forward and get a score that's the man I want to see as my spare player rather than basically an extra defender who just holds his position in there I want to see somebody who goes up who commits defenders who creates the overlap for me that's what I would like to see but if you're thinking it from James Horan's perspective he's thinking we're two points down Things have gone really well. We need to just continue to stay in the game for as long as possible. Get to you know, keep staying in the game, keep staying in the game. Um, so maybe yeah. if we don't concede a goal, like for the next ten minutes, when we have this spare man, if we can just chip away, get a point, get it back level, you know, we've done very well because we're now a further ten minutes. We get to the next water break and we're still in the game. And maybe you try and do something then. So like these are all the decisions that managers make, and afterwards you can you can criticize one thing or another but there are so many different moving parts i i'd be reluctant to be overly critical of the decision because it's not as if he he has huge amount to pick from there that he can just try these different things like possibly as you say kevin mclaughlin would have been a better option to play in that sweeper role but we've seen kevin mclaughlin play as sweeper for mayo in the past and it hasn't worked out very well he's been found out from a defensive perspective so i mean you can kind of understand he James Horn is looking at the history of that and saying, okay, yeah, I know Kevin can give me something going forward, but if Dublin have possession, will Kevin make bad defensive decisions and leave us exposed? And then all of a sudden, Dublin get a couple of points that could have been avoided. You know, Plunkett yeah. is still there to, like, I'm fairly sure it was him that was involved in the turnover when Pan O'Callaghan made the slight fumble when he got in behind. So he was he was reasonably effective from a defensive position to keep Mayo in the game. But there's no doubt about it that Mayo in the second half, their attack was blunt. You know, as the energy levels dropped and the team, their attack was blunt. So you could certainly yeah. make the for for going for going with a more attack minded move. Yeah, I think so. I think the energy levels went. Like I said, Ruan went out of it. Durkin was off. Now Kilkenny was on Cohen and he was running a muck on him. Um, you know, Killian O'Connor went out of it. O'Donoghue went out of it because they couldn't get any primary possession because Howard and Fenton started taking over. And it just all kind of fell, a, fell apart, Conan, um, for Mayo. Probably for the whole of the second half, even though they stayed in touch. 
um, until the final quarter. Dublin won that 5-1. And I suppose the turning point of that final quarter was the Howard point. And we said this last Thursday, there's nothing worse than a point and a good press that turns into two points in a row. We saw Donegal destroy Armagh with, you know, similar kind of stuff. And you see it all the time. The minute Howard's point went over, Dublin put a decent press on. Not an unbelievable press because Aidan O'Shea was left, you know, fr- fairly on his own. Only Clark gave him too too much of a floater where Aidan O'Shea had to stand waiting for it or else he would have run under it. And John, gave John Small, who's a warrior, time to get up and break the ball off Aidan O'Shea. You know, a mismatch completely that John Small still had the determination to win. Aidan O'Shea fouls Scully. Now there's three in it. Um, from the very next kick out, Howard goes up and catches an unbelievable uh, an unbelievable catch. And, you know, like, I mean, I think Kilkenny gets fouled from the resulting move. And now there's five, now there's five in it. You know, game over at that stage. It, like, it was one of those ones where it was like, what the hell happened? How has this become a five-point match? But yeah. <laughs> how often have we seen that with Dublin? And like, you're right. Like it, it's It starts off with an amazing outside of the boot point from a sub, which again is, is great for the team who just brought on that sub. And yeah, they win the next ball, they get the next score and the next score. And it's suddenly like, and Keane's right. Like it's 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 a really good point. Like them having that, that 14 men for the first 10 minutes just allowed them to start gradually going into that possession mode like you know they didn't do it for the whole half but it was in their mindset like you know they controlled the match in the whole way through especially when they got five points up and like i was thinking the same way as you Willie. like not not to to sort of labor this point but like i was thinking like if you brought an extra man forward push up on them because you knew dublin were going to come out and try to just keep possession for those 10 minutes but even with 14 men and like 14 outfield players for Mayo. So if you have 14 men of Dublin, including Cluxton, I think they can still keep possession no matter who you're pushing up. So yeah, Keane's right. It might just be a waste of energy or a waste of time and leave yourself exposed. And that's probably just the thing that happened most. And, and that's why a lot of that half just went by and you're thinking, what the hell happened? Because the first half was amazing. It was a brilliant ding-dong battle. And then yeah. the second half was just doubling at their at their best and their worst for the neutral because it's just taking the sting completely out of the match and it was because they were in that mode then of just keeping the ball away from Mayo, moving it around and getting into the scoring position and, and they just they just do it so naturally you now, it's easy for them. They do to do it so naturally. Like Brian Howard has to start for Dublin Keane. We'll we'll finish up on this point. Like he has to start and he starts a midfield, James McCarthy goes into the half back line and it's a much stronger back line. Like I mean he, Howard just has to start and that's it like the two Rahini boys drove Dublin in that second half and my theory on this is and call me uh, so tell me I'm wrong if you want but this is old fashioned looking after your club men that if McCarthy goes back to centre half back he has to drop either Johnny Cooper or our own merchant and that's why poor Howard has been sacrificed thoughts I totally agree with you Oli this is this, this <laughs> is the bias that's going to undo Dublin in the long run this is the kind of our club nepotism that I that was shite that goes on in every county yeah I know yeah and it probably has one of the one of the boys dads as a selector as well isn't typical <laughs> yeah, it's a Johnny Cooper's old lad is in is in Desi's ear all the time to get him in the team I know look it's a it's a decision they make but it's it's quite surprising like You'd have to say Howard I, was he the All Star midfielder last year? I think himself and Fenton was the All Star midfielder last year. Maybe it was the. I coming off a brilliant, brilliant year. Like I mean, Howard has the, the Howard is one of the most important players in that team, and so is Mannion. They're two of the most bizarre players to drop. Yeah, they are. Well, I think Mannion possibly was struggling with injury, and in fairness to Paddy Small, his w- winning the county championship of Ballymun and his his form in that was 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 probably very good, and maybe just in terms of the year that was in it without the significant volume of games um, and continuity of games maybe Mannion 
possibly missed out on some opportunities there with injury. And certainly, I, I would imagine Howard must have been carrying an injury of, to some extent. Or, look, you wouldn't know. Like, I mean, there, sometimes there's there's guys. I mean, Howard's gone in there. He's won all Ireland's every year. Maybe he just has a different. You know, you're speculating here that maybe he doesn't have the same. You know, attitude of some of the other guys. Maybe he thought he was, um, or you know, maybe he was playing with a bit of arrogance at times, and Desi didn't like that. So, look, I don't know. That's pure speculation. Yeah. He could be, you know, a brilliant trainer or whatever. But just when you see certain things based on pure ability, like, you know, Mannion is better than, than Paddy Small. Really, he's more reliable in terms of his finishing. Ah, he's far better. Like, yeah. I mean, geez, that's not even a competition. Like, yeah, I mean, Paul Mannion is a much better player and Howard's much yeah. better than Bugler or he's much better midfield option and Scully's or and McCarthy's much better than Cooper or Merchant. Like, I mean, I, I, I've got through a full Monday show without giving out about why we didn't see enough diagonal balls. Like, I mean, Aidan O'Shea got one and Johnny Cooper fouled him. We just didn't see enough of that. I just, I don't want to keep going on about it because I feel like I'm maybe turning into a Joe Brawley, Pat Spillane bore by just going on and on about the same thing. But I just, scratch my head wondering why when you have a mismatch like that you wouldn't have a very defined clear tactic of at least two or three no three or four of those diagonal balls going in in both halves you know or else you're wasting Aidan O'Shea in there um and that's your that's the that's the the way I would look at it before we get into performance of the weekend Keen, we have some bad news um here on the show and that is G.E.R. stalwart Conan is leaving the company and he's leaving the show like I mean this is not long after Cheddar leaving the hurling show. I don't th- I don't know how much more of this um, I can take, if I'm being honest. Um, he's come a long way on the show from the early days when Liam Kearns uh, said, what's your man's name? Conan. What's that lad's name on your show? I was wondering if he was at the same match as me. He was making out like Derry were unlucky to lose. And then two or three years later, you have Jarla Burns saying, Conan Doherty, who's a fantastic analyst, and I really need what he would say on your programme, Conan. So this is how far you have come since from the start until the end. And I still believe Derry were extremely unlucky to lose that match. <laughs> Uh, um, I, I can't like I can't believe I was listening to the hurling show was it uh, last Monday or last Thursday and uh, Cheddar just completely stole my thunder. This is a uh, I'm like the Adrian Morin retiring the same week as Dermot Connolly retiring. Like you know, no, nobody gives a shit. There'll be no column inches to Conan Doherty retiring after Cheddar Plunkett stolen all the all the headlines. Who some um, sometimes you're accused of agreeing with me, um, Conan. I see this popping up every now and then. And to be fair, you weren't always like that. Like I mean, you used to disagree with me regularly. I think that just I'm such an obnoxious know-it-all. I've beaten you into submission. I've I've made you like a Leinster county, and I'm a Dublin. You've just ah, feck it. I'm not even going to bother. No, I've just I've just improved your knowledge over the last five years. Like <laughs> you, you haven't even realized, but like you know, suddenly you've just started agreeing with what I've been saying, and I've just started sitting back saying, you know what, Willie, I think you're right because I said it to you beforehand but but um but no it's 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 been uh it's been an absolute pleasure and i i won't miss yeah people calling me an arslick to willie especially on the ga pick (laughs) well to be to be fair if if you were to tell me before we started the show that last year last year we had thirty three thousand people listen to me you and key and three fellas with not even the the asses roar of an all-ireland medal and usually you need all-ireland medals to have any kind of respect for your your analysis like i mean you should be very proud of that like i mean you've been brilliant on the show like i'm going to miss you i'm sure the listeners are going to miss you as well like i mean You've been a brilliant analyst, a tactical nerd, a bit like myself, but you're able to have a laugh um, as well. Keen, anything nice to say about Conan before before you go? 
No, been an absolute pleasure working with Conan the last few years, and um, his knowledge has improved significantly as well. So fair play, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Come here, Keen. We're going to let you go because a little treat for Conan. We're going to get his hero, Paddy Bradley, and he's going to do performance of the weekend with us. What? So we'll talk. We'll talk to you later, Keen, and we'll be back with performance of the weekend. He was a fantastic analyst, and I mean, I really heed what he would say in your program. I think I think Tyrone are going to win. I'm going to go with them. I, as much as I I predicted Dublin to win the All Ireland at the start of the year, I just think Tyrone are going too well. They're unaffected by the other team, too well set up. I think they've been preparing for Dublin for two years. They're ready for them. I'm, I'm going to go with them. Yeah. Paddy Bradley, how's it going? Good, Colin, good, yeah, all good. Sitting outside on Bay here, I'm just about to go in and watch uh, the Derry Under-17s play our man, the Championship here, so uh, I'm looking forward to that game. Jeez, you never switch off. You're on, a, you're on a bit of a sad show here, Paddy, because a great Derry man, uh, the best the best analyst in all of Derry is leaving is leaving the show here. <laughs> so you were saying, and in fairness to Conan, he's been very uh, complimentary to me over the years, so I'm sad to see him go. <laughs> <laughs> complimentary, Conan, would probably be a very light way of putting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> ah, well, any better praise I get, I'm, I'm grateful for it because there's not too many to praise me, I tell you. You know, there's usually criticism, but Conan definitely has been one of the, one of the better, I suppose, pundits over the last number of years in, in, in my corner. And yeah, you know what, Paddy, it's, it's not going to stop. <laughs> it's not, actually, it's funny, it just completely warmed my heart there, thinking there's there there's a new Derry Under-20 manager down to watch the Derry Under-17s, and it's only Paddy Bradley. This is, this is the way it should be in Derry football, I'm delighted. Well, we know that you guys right. in Derry, you have your house in order now. So this is all these structures that have been put in place that uh, Paddy's been, uh, you know, proactive and looking at the under-17s. Uh, listen, the under-17s, I'm obviously appointed under-20 manager there three weeks ago and they haven't had a chance to uh, play too many friendly. So a couple of my trial games were against the under-17s and they're, they're really, really flying. And to be honest... Size, physique, pace, power—you know—they've got a lot, got, got it all in abundance. And I'm here today because I really believe there's maybe seven or eight of them that probably will, will, will you know, go straight into my under twenty panel. You know, so. But I know Armagh are very confident. Kieran McKeever's of them as well. So the fact of these under seventeen games is, and I suppose most football this year, there's no farm going into it because there was no league, there was no nothing, no friendly. So it'll be interesting to see how they get on. You know, it's already turning up. Supposed to play a, a, a match against an under twenty select, but whenever you come to championship, you know that's the real deal. Yeah, no, exactly. So come here, we'll get into performance of the weekend here, Paddy. The first one I have down here is Kieran Kilkenny. I think he got um, man of the match and he deserved it really. Like he'd only seven first half possessions and I suppose he scored that really important point just before um, half time. And in the second half, he had 24 possessions. And maybe this is the difference. You're marking Paddy Durkin, you have seven possessions. You're marking Stephen Cohen. No disrespect to Stephen Cohen, you're at 24 possessions. And it just highlights what a loss Paddy Durkin was. And, you know, look, we all know what a brilliant player Kieran Kilkenny is. Uh, well, I suppose like Paddy Durkin, first and foremost, we're used to seeing him in the front foot. And he, 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 we didn't see him on the ball a lot in the first half, but, but that's because he was doing such a good job on Kilkenny. And, you know, it was a massive loss for me. Oh, off. And as you say, Kenneth Kilkenny's influence started to grow after the, you know, after the break. Um, Kenneth Kilkenny's probably a shoe in for maybe football of the year. Um, he's an unorthodox style of kicking the ball and throwing the ball and all the rest, but he's so effective. Um, what he kicked three points in the end up, and, you know, he really stood up 
in the second half whenever it was needed. I, I thought himself and Brian Fenton, who had quite you know quiet first halves in the second half whenever Dublin really turned the screw, they were the two men that really you know came to the forefront. Yeah, no, I think they were, um, Colin. Like, I mean, obviously he was fouled for that point in around that time where Dublin stretched from two points ahead um, to five points ahead. So, look, just an all-around brilliant performance. Paddy's right, a very un- unorthodox kicking style. A kicking style you would not be coaching. I'm thinking maybe comparing it to someone like Jim Furyk as a golfer. Absolutely brilliant, but looks very, very awkward. It looks like he's trying too hard almost with it, with every kick. But in a way, it's like what makes him so good because he never... He rarely drops the ball short. He rarely miss kicks the ball. It's like he's putting every single bit of effort he can into every single bit of kick. And like Keane mentioned that that point he scored earlier on, like it was. And no, I would have brought him up anyway. The fact he's on the show makes it worse. But it was like a Paddy Bradley back in the heyday, you know, the one where he won it. There's two men on him in the corner, and he eventually just works an inch for himself and curves it over. It looks like it's going wide the whole way, and it just it just drops in. Like he's just. I mentioned it already. He's gone to a different level, and it. The frequency with which he finds himself in five meters, ten meters of space, like it isn't a coincidence. He just doesn't stop running, and he he just wins ball constantly. Yeah, and it was the kind thing of about, a, the, the, the thing about this kicking style is it's nearly like a snapshot. You don't get a chance to get the block on, where an ordinary kicker sort of winds himself up, and you might you know have a split second to try and get the block on. He's nearly like a it's nearly like a like a snapshot where the ball's away before he even gets a chance to uh, defender gets a chance to get the, get the block on. Um, Conan mentioned the fact you know the separation there. You see himself and Fenton and Conor Callan, see that five yards, how they can get away. They can buy themselves two, three, four yards away from the defenders. Unbelievable. Like he was fronted up two or three occasions for his points, and within a split second, he was gone, you know? Uh, just the pace over that four or five yards, first four or five yards is unbelievable. Yeah, he kind of has everything, hasn't he? And it's nice to see Desi for all of us, Paddy. I'll throw this to you because, like, I mean, for, for me, you're talking about wasting him in a wing forward position, hand passing it the whole time, whereas. When he was an under, a minor under 21, he was the main man at full forward. You know what I mean? So it is nice that Desi has given him that role that Jim Gavin didn't give him. Well, look, Desi has put his own stamp on the team. You even look at the fact, I suppose, Sean Bugler's in there. You know what I mean? Uh, Robert McDade, it's quite clear Desi wanted to change a few things up. And one of the big things has been putting Ken Kilkenny closer to goals. As you say, he spent a lot of his you know years under Jim Gavin. No criticism of Jim Gavin because, you know, Kenny was still very effective, but it was out the field, and he, as you say, he was linking up play, he was hand passing, he was going side roads. But as I say, you get in front of up by a defender one on one, close to goals, there's only one thing going to happen. He's going to he's going to get past, and he's going to kick a point, you know. So fair play to Desi, I say, for, for, for getting closer to goals, and he's far more effective in there. And the way Hammond, I suppose, Conor Callan has been dropping deeper out the field, and that was actually suited Conor Callan well. Like he's fit to come in and ghost in and still have an impact in the full forward line, but, you know, outer in the middle of the field, he's, you know, he's fetching ball. He's like enough play, and you know, I say Desi has to get a lot of credit for doing that. Yeah, he definitely does. Brian Fenton as well, Conan. Like, I mean, he had 22 possessions in the second half alone. Like, I mean, I was reading some stats in the examiner. Like, he really upped it when 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 you have to up it. And you would say, you know, Dublin going into that game, it was a fair argument to say they hadn't been tested. They haven't they hadn't experienced that level of intensity. You know, like I mean, Mayo really brought it to them. And what do you need? When you're a little bit shell shocked like that at halftime, you need your Kieran Kilkenny's, you need your Brian Fenton's, you need your big players, your leaders to stand up, and that's what Fenton did in the second half. Yeah, and like, and I can't believe it. You know, when I'm seeing him crying afterwards and just the emotion and talking about how much it means to him six times in six years. Like, and 
it, it probably he almost like a bit of Michael Jordan about him, where he didn't have as big a, a first half and he wasn't winning ball cleanly. So he probably went out with that intent to to just put that right in the second half. And when Brian Fenton has any sort of motivation, like we know he's the best player in Ireland, probably. So um, yeah, like and this is the thing for Mayo. He was always going to have a big game at some stage. You were never going to keep him quiet for seventy minutes. Mayo did well for getting anything out of him, but um. Yeah, yeah, he's kick passing as well. So on the probably doesn't even get mentioned enough because he's such a he's such a beast in the air and over the ground. But he just serves balls to people like just little. Like it's almost coming on a cushion, just sitting in somebody's chest. It's a it's a beautiful kicking style he has, and everything everything you need in a player, never mind a midfielder, he has it. Yeah, he does. He won three big kickouts in the second half, and Connor makes the point there, Paddy, about his kick pass, and it's excellent. They always kind of seem to bounce in front of the player. The, the pace is taken off it, and he was looking for Kilkenny a lot in the second half. He's also a player. Look, I, I don't think I ever would have said that I would come across or see a, a, a midfielder better than Anthony Toole, because I obviously played with Anthony and I admire him for years, but Brian Fenton, to me, is probably, you know, the best you know midfielder ever I have seen. He has it all. Like it's not as if he's massive in terms of he's not six foot five tall. But how he can leap, you know, his decision making on the ball. Say a bit like Conor Callan came to Kenny his his first five yards when he gets the ball, the separation, how he can get away from men. As you say, his ability to kick the pass. You know, everything's always seemed to be on the money with him. And in fairness to you know to me, oh, they got a lot right in the first half in, in terms of negating his influence in the game but you know a player like that there you know ultimately is going to have his, have his purple period and in the last 15-20 months I thought he really really stood up Paddy I, yeah. I remember you um, having a little dig in a match programme at Fergal Doherty for hammering balls into you the outside of his boots <laughs> like you, <laughs> you, you would have loved Brian Fenton I'd say well look as a forward you know yourself you're, you're putting balls on the outside of the boot and they're coming in they're, as you say they're they're beating off your chest they're, they're hard to take everything Fenton does is, is one bounce in front it's you know it'll be a joy to play with him you know and obviously Crook Park shoots him obviously big wide open spaces you know and the way Dublin clear out that D in front of the you know and around the D in front of the goals you know it lends itself to, to good quality kick passing but he's, he's just an excellent footballer he has it all like yeah, those bullets off the outside of the boot as you're running like a bullet towards it. It's like two <laughs> bullets meeting each other and it's just rebounds off the chest. I didn't like them myself. There's no doubt. And to take them properly, you almost have to take a step back with them. But if you do that, your man collapses into you. It's just a disaster altogether. Um, there's no doubt about it. Brian, Brian, Brian Howard coming on has changed the game for Dublin and he changed the game. He had 20 possessions. He won two kickouts. There's the two Rahini boys now in midfield. 22 possessions for Fenton, won three big kickouts. Brian Howard, 20 possessions, won two kickouts. And not only Brian Howard's performance, is James McCarthy was able to go back, wing back on Dermot O'Connor. And, like, I mean, for me, Paddy, that's the kind of changing of the game right there. Oh, definitely. And to be honest, you know, and no disrespect to the Mayo substitutions, you know, they didn't work, they didn't have an impact in the game. Whereas you're bringing on Howard as an all star, you're bringing on uh, Manion, you know, and they definitely had a big influence in the game. I thought Howard was excellent and a real camel influence. I thought once Dublin got over that 10-minute period at the start of the second half and they were down to 14 men, like they managed that period really well. They were two points up, I think, at half-time. And inside that 10-minute period, they, you know, they ended up only a point up. And that, that's really the period where Mayo probably needed to stretch on. But after that, as I say, they brought Howard on. He started to dominate the airways along with, with, with Fenton. You know, he was great in possession too, real camel influence. And I thought that was the one to lose of the game because as soon as they get back to 15 on 15, I say Dublin stretched ahead there, then four or five points. And I say, bring on the likes of Mannion. He kicked a beautiful free from a difficult position. You know, he's a quality player. And I say, I actually was shocked that he hasn't played as much football as he should have played this year. But obviously, Desi wanted to put his own stamp on the team. I mean, you know, Paddy Small, you know, 
by all rights as a as a good footballer. For me, mind him as a better footballer, but yeah. you know, you know, who who, who am I to, to question Des' decision? He's one of he's one in all Ireland, but you know, what a sub, what 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 a couple of subs to bring on. Exactly, that's it, uh, Conan. And for me, Mannion doesn't strike me as a fellow who comes on. Now, he came on and played fairly well yesterday, but generally he doesn't, whereas Paddy Small will come on probably with, you know, a bit more life in it because he, I don't know, like a Mannion's too good to be a sub, but that's the reality of it. That's like making Paddy Bradley a sub for Derry and saying, look, well, he'll be brilliant in the second half. <laughs> but I can't imagine who'd be playing instead of <laughs> it wouldn't be uh, Paddy Small anyway but like yeah like you it, take my point though like I mean he's too you could just like, whatever it is it's scratching my head like you're trying to make your the team put your own stamp on the team and the, the Kilkenny Khan switch in and out I love that I've always said that Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ, Howard and Mannion don't get dropped to put your own stamp on the team. Ah, oh, but that's that's what I said. Like that's what I mean when I said it earlier that it's it's annoying. Like that that that's the only reason. There's no logical explanation for them not playing. Like you know, every time they come in as well, they show that they're good. Like Brian Howard just makes the team better, whatever way you look at it. Like he, you're mentioning James McCarthy going back. They, they need him back there. Like that, that's one thing. So structurally, it makes him better. Makes him better from kickouts from both sides, and it makes him better on the ball because Brian Howard's class on the ball. Like there's there's no reason. For Forward. And next, Paul Mannion, like you're right as well. What you're saying about him is he's won too many games for Dublin and even his club throughout the years now to be like you know used as a sub for you know players that he's better. And I'm even looking at like I know say Scully and Bugler are serving a purpose, but I was even looking at it yesterday thinking surely Mannion could just do whatever they're doing from wing forward as well. You know if you're if you're looking to do that, Paddy Small could do that. Like Mannion plays no matter what, but I suppose Farrell just wanted to do it a bit differently. Yeah, who would you but go pro- with? But probably, pro- probably what's happening there is, you know, they started off the championship and Farrell's give Bugler, you know, he's give Paddy Small the jersey at the start and because they've won every game so handsomely, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And they haven't, like, Bugler hasn't been bad. Bugler's contributing a point or two a game, you know what I mean? Yeah. And in fairness, he's a really, really accomplished footballer. Uh, and Paddy Small, likewise, I like the way Paddy Small is very direct. He takes men on. I just think the other two boys are better players, but the fact that Dublin haven't been tested and they haven't really needed to bring them on until yesterday... You know what I mean? That that's probably why they've been getting the starting jersey. But I think yesterday it just showed whenever you know push came to shove, and Dublin needed them of you know a couple of fresh subs and a couple of good men. Like as I say, what two better men to bring on than them two? Yeah, I don't drop Bugler as uh, actually for Howard. I drop Cooper or Merchant for Howard because McCarthy goes back into the backs and Howard goes into into midfield. Who would you go with on the Mayo team, Paddy? Like Killian O'Connor was excellent in the first half. He scored nine points in total. The whole game in the first half, he got two marks. He got two from play, completely without him in the second half. And you know it's hard to criticise him because you know yourself, Paddy. You're in corner forward. You're being beaten in midfield, where whereas you had been winning midfield in the first half, and his supply completely ran out. Well, that's that's you know uh, as a forward, you know you're always dependent on your supply. I thought you know Kelly McConnor has got a lot of criticism over the years about not turning up in big games and only being a free taker. But I thought in the first half he was excellent. He was showing yeah. for the ball. Um, he kicked, as you say, a couple of marks, a couple of points. His free kick and was nearly an iron. Okay, he missed one in the first half, but the supply really did dry up. I thought too in the first half, Ryan O'Donoghue was giving John Small all sorts of bother. Mm. Okay, he, thought he dropped a couple of short, but he was very, very busy. You know, probably from a male point of view, Aidan O'Shea will be very disappointed with his performance. You know, he's a he's a big game player. He's a go-to man, and he just couldn't get into the game. You know what I mean? And you know, for Mayo to win that game yesterday. You know they needed the likes of Aiden Shade to really, really have a you know have a stormer, and uh, it just didn't work out for him in the day. You know what I mean? But you're right. You know, in the first half, Mayo won every single break and ball. They were forcing the, the press and the kickouts was excellent. They were forcing clucks along. They were getting all the break balls going. But in the second half, you know, 
Dublin figured that out, you know, Fenton and Howard, as I say, started to dominate the airways. And they just couldn't get the supply in the Kelly and O'Connor, and he started coming a bit deeper, and, you know, they were, they were less putting up front. Yeah, he got frustrated then towards the end. He gave Niall Scully a good punch into the stomach, which is very, uh, is, I'm not going to say it's very unlike Killian Connor, it's very like Killian Connor. And Johnny Cooper, I don't know if they showed this on the television, Johnny Cooper had to go off because of a, he, Johnny Cooper was doing the kind of, uh, you know, the impression that he had been kicked. He kind of, you know, showing yeah, the, the young card. Funny, I noticed that he was limping going off, but I, I didn't see what happened there. Was was, was there something? That was with Killian O'Connor. I missed it. It was kind of off the ball, but uh, Johnny was going mad at the linesman, and the linesman walked in on the pitch, and I thought O'Connor was going to get the, the, the a red card, and then the referee didn't do anything with it at all, but Cooper couldn't continue the match, so God, I, God, God knows what happened Johnny, there. Go, Johnny, Johnny's no stranger to the dark arts himself. But, you know, so. <laughs> no, no. I, I thought well I thought Cooper was uh, getting a bit of a roasting, knew he was going to come off, so he pretended to be injured so he could limp off. And <laughs> I would have done the exact same thing. That, that old chest. Years, years, years do that the whole time, Conan. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have, I suppose the final two nominations are Con and Oshin Mullen, which are two weird nominations because they were marking each other. But is a fair, can, can you say that both a forward and a defender, Paddy, at the same time played very well? <laughs> Look, you can. You see Conor Callum. Colin Callan's my favourite player in Ireland at the minute. I, I just his physique, his power, his pace, his decision making. I just, I just think everything about him was class. I knew this. In the second half, I didn't think he was very effective. And obviously, I think he maybe got man of the match in some of the, you know, some of the papers and that. I just think, you know, what he brings to the team is the ability to go in and do a job in the full four line, one ball, kick scores, come out to midfield, fights balls, as you say. But in fairness to Oshin Mullen. There was two or three kickouts in the first half, and he leaped above Conor Callan and got them. And he obviously got up the early doors and, and, and scored that point. Um, the two of them had really, really good games. You say they're marking each other, but as I say, Conor Callan for me is you know just just everything you'd want in terms of a, as a forward, in terms of being fit to rotate positions and be fit to do it in the full forward line, come out and do it in the half forward line too. You know what I mean? And, and in fairness, they're both them, they're probably going to feature highly in the All Stars in terms of team of the year and everything else. Um, but Callan, as I say, has been you know like. Kilkenny, like Fenton, them three men and, and McCarthy, them four men in particular, you know, they are the four go-to men for me for Dublin. Yeah, and here, one other question, Paddy, before we let you go. Do you think Con is not able to kick a point that's not at the top of the D, or you think he just doesn't want to? <laughs> uh, well, this is it. You know, it's go for the juggler, we call him the whole time, and look, you've got to admire that, you know, and that's what, that's what Dublin do. Even You look at, I, I watched the game with Jerry Kane yesterday, myself himself with a few beer in the house, and uh, I said before the throw-on, you know, Everybody's talking up Mayo and James Horn and going at the teams. I said, Dublin get a chance here to go for the juggler first day, and that's exactly what they did. It was a best match with James McCarthy and Aidan O'Shea in the middle of the field. You know, James McCarthy, obviously, the pace he has, and Aidan O'Shea's no slouch, but at the same time, it wasn't pretty track, obviously, McCarthy, because McCarthy's very, very athletic. And Dublin just do that so well, and Conor Callan typifies that the whole time. He goes for the juggler the whole time. Yeah, so just to finish up the show, we want confirmation that Paddy Bradley has said Brian Fenton's better than the great legendary Anthony Toll. <laughs> Conan, are you going to go along with this blasphemy? Or are you going to are you going to back your man? I agree with Paddy Bradley. Whatever whatever he has to say about this, <laughs> <laughs> I will bow to him. Well, I hope Anthony's not listening. I hope Anthony's not listening. <laughs> right, lads, we we'll leave it there. I think performance of the weekend goes to Kieran Kilkenny. I think um, you know he 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 destroyed Cohen in the second half. And look, he's a real leader, and we know that. And it's brilliant. To, it's brilliant to see him um, being able to influence games closer to goal like that. So, Kieran Kilkenny, performance of the weekend. Thanks very much, lads. We let you go, and that's us done for the year. So we'll be back in the new year, and we'll talk to everybody then. Good luck. 
finish yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both pairs have, have spoken with each other and uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a f***ing shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing years. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.